Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkouts. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, yeah. exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work. We'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. <laughs> Every single day. Love the liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? I would say double. I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Yeah! Talking about expressvpn.com slash Nooners. Love ExpressVPN. You've got to have a VPN in today's world or you're not living your life right, brother. People are going to start stealing your passwords, all your bank info, everything. And I know most of you are probably thinking, uh, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. Doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using Express VPN. Huge fan. I've had it for years. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background uh, of all my computers and my laptops and my phones, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, like I was saying, phones, computers, uh, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it right now. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Mashable. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash nooners, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nooners. Expressvpn.com slash nooners. Head there to learn more. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution! Oh, welcome to Ross Patterson Revolution. It's, it's about that time, kids. It's about time we release the tapes. 
We release the fucking tapes. Um, Shaboinkers, man, this this is a this is a crazy story. This is this has been a crazy journey of um, not only not only this show, um, but these tapes as well, man. Because uh, I, after we did, you know, uh, talk about aliens, Jables still st- st- standing steadfast that that they're not real. Um, I told her about an experience where I went down to Roswell, New Mexico, filmed uh, a TV show for MTV called The Barnes Brothers. Uh, originally, you know, I just opened up my production company, and my best friend and I, uh, an actor by the name of Clayne Crawford, who is he, he currently plays Riggs on Lethal Weapon. Um, he was on a we had him on a on a previous show where he was he was our our guest uh for for one of the uh, i want to say it was episode 99 and uh fantastic fantastic guest great guy uh been one of my best friends for for close to 20 years and uh when i started this production company uh we had always done projects together either sketches or movies or i you know we've done probably four or five movies together um we did a tv show together and then i don't know countless sketches so if you go back through YouTube, um, you can find all those sketches. We did Fighting Nude Like Vigo, uh, Mall Cops, um, where we were mall cops. Uh, we did, uh, fuck, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'd say eight to ten uh, East Coast, West Coast ski ball wars. We did that. Um, that was kind of like a, we wrote this sketch like a a takeoff of Biggie and Tupac. And it's about the, the East Coast and West Coast. Uh, top skee-ball players coming to meet at once. And uh, we've done some crazy sketches and shit over the year, over the years. So when I started this production company, I was like, hey, man, I'd like to see some cool shit. Um, both of us are from the South. I'm originally from Georgia. Grew up there most of my life. was born in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, parents got divorced. And then uh, my mom got remarried and we moved to, to Georgia. So I pretty much grew up there uh, K through 12 was was my, uh, my my experience in Georgia. Uh, now my best friend Clay Crawford, born and raised in uh, in Clay, Alabama. Um, so he's super Southern accent. My parents were from the North, and they would never let me have a Southern accent. Uh, the reason why any of this is relevant going forward is when we did this show, we wanted to do a show about two rednecks from Georgia. Um, in these alien tapes, you're about to hear in the first one, this first interview. Um, you're going to hear me having like a kind of a, a, a higher, like Southern accent like this, like that type of voice. Um, that wasn't how I talked at the time. Obviously it was just, a, it was part of the, the characters for the show, the Barnes brothers. Um, if you want to cross reference it, uh, the pilots for MTV, uh, just type in the Barnes brothers. It's on, uh, uh, YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. And uh, back in the day, they didn't end up picking up the show after the pilot version. And it sucked because we loved the show. We loved these characters and it was fucking awesome. So I always held on to the tapes. I held on to the tapes for, you know, I, fuck. When I looked at them, they said we shot it in 2004. So you're looking at, you know, 13 years essentially at this point. And because uh, I never knew what we were going to do with them. Uh, it, it's one of those shows to me that was timeless because it it didn't matter what the age was or anything like that. It was just two redneck brothers who were 
uh, each week in a different city and something really fucked up had happened to them. The first one we shot was in, again, Roswell, New Mexico, uh, and it was about finding aliens and alien life forms, and um, and then something really fucked up happens at the end. Uh, I sent that into the networks, and uh, the show got bought by MTV, and then the next one was involving the Boston Marathon, and we shot that in Boston. Uh, when we did the Aliens show... I'd said, hey, we'd gone there and and I, you know, we had talked to, we'd interviewed a bunch of people in town in character in these cutoff jean shorts and tank tops and we had these huge mustaches and shit. And um, at the time, you know, you go in and it's it's very Borat, very Sasha Baron Cohen, where you're you're staying in character and you're not you're not telling people that you're not in character and because you're trying to get this them to tell these fucking crazy stories. So when you hear these tapes, Clayne and I are still in character because um, we weren't sure what we were going to get. The guy, the first tape that you're about to hear tonight was uh, a big UFO uh, conspiracy guy. He lives in Roswell. He's like the chief go-to guy when you go to in town. Uh, we also got to interview like uh, uh, somebody was working at the, the military base that night of the supposed crash. I'm working on that tape now. Tonight you're going to hear the the Dennis Balthazar uh tape and uh that's the that's the gentleman's name who is is all things Roswell, New Mexico, all things alien crash related and uh this is the guy you're going to talk to. Again, the reason why there's this long-winded story going into this is we th- we we thought it was going to be a joke and we thought the guy was you know, going to be some weird fucking dude or some crackpot guy. He invited us when we called him to do the interview. Um, uh, he invited us over to his house and he's an older gentleman. His, his wife was older and, um, you know, we get there and it, it's, it, it's kind of like in, interviewing your grandparents where it's like, ah, oh, shit, you feel bad at this point. So we didn't want to go too hard on him. So what ended up happening was, you know, I looked over my producer midway through this interview and I was just like, all right, I, this guy seems pretty serious, pretty genuine um, about what he's talking about. I didn't want to fucking grill him because he was a nice older man. And like, I'm not going to embarrass or humiliate people that I don't think deserve it. Um, and this guy certainly wasn't one. So Clayne and I, you know, we kept it on the up and up for for the show and, and for this interview and the interview you're about to hear tonight is that. And, and, and it's all about uh, Roswell, New Mexico and the crash itself and everything that happened and, and why. Uh, but however, we, we are still in character. So um, it'll sound strange from our end, uh, but, but you know, in the end of the day, it's, it, it comes off as a pretty serious interview, but we are in character in these thick Southern accents and uh, we, we were playing these characters called the Barnes Brothers. And uh, I, I just talked to Clayne a couple hours ago and I told him we were going to release his tape. And he was like, oh, fuck, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, that was the first time I'd heard it in 13 years. Um, so if you dig the episode, uh, go to Clayne Crawford's Instagram and hit him up and let him know, and let him know you're a big fan of, of this, uh, this alien interview. And then for the rest of you guys, look, look, I, I'm I'm with you. I still believe in aliens and that it's real. Uh, Jables does not. Um, here's an interview with with the chief guy in uh, in Roswell, New Mexico, who who is 
the go-to guy, Dennis, Dennis Balthazar. And uh, I'll be curious as to hear your thoughts on it after the show airs. Uh, and we're going to get to that right after the sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, we got we got StraightRazors.com. Uh, StraightRazors.com, if you're looking for a great gift for the holidays, uh, for that, that, that dude in your life, brother, cousin, dad, uncle, grandfather, you name it, get him a, get him a shaving kit from StraightRazors.com. Um, I just got their new shampoo, too. It's the fucking shit. Uh, they made that smolder aftershave that I love so much, that scent, and they, they have it for the cologne as well there, um, into a shampoo. Shampoo's amazing. They've got uh, shampoo, conditioner. Um, the straight razors are amazing. It takes about a day and a half off your shave. It's a super smooth shave. And, it, and if you look at it and you say, hey, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to start shaving with a straight razor. They've also got some safety razors. Um, they're just as sharp, and uh, and again, man, it's taking about a day and a half off your shaving, so it's amazing. Um, number one ranked aftershave, number one ranked cologne in the world. It's it's one of the finest kits you can get. Uh, it's it's just a fucking dope ass Christmas gift. Uh, support the show. Go to straightrazors.com. Type in the promo code Revolution for twenty percent off. Again, that's straightrazors.com. Type in the promo code Revolution for twenty percent off. Next up, we've got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce Energy, whoo boy. Uh, that is another one that is great for the stocking. We're doing all stocking stuffers here tonight on the show. Uh, Strikeforce Energy, you just buy like a, 10, like a, a box of 10. They're like $9.95. Um, type in the promo code REVOLUTION and get 20% off at StrikeForceEnergy.com. They got four flavors. They got original, they got, they got lemon, they got orange, they got Make America Grape Again. Uh, the grapes, my personal fave, uh, and you can kick the can kids. You don't need a can anymore. The shit goes, it's liquid and it just goes in other liquids. So you can just pop it in and, and go last longer than like five hour energy. Um, it, monster and, and kickstart and fucking Red Bull. All that shit is, is kind of garbage. Uh, it doesn't really work for me at least. Um, but this fucking strike force does. And I love the taste of it. It's good for like pre-workout and shit like that. Uh, go to strikeforceenergy.com. And uh, get yourself a subscription. I got a subscription. And use the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off. Uh, they ship everywhere in the entire world. And they got a 750 milliliter bottle that sits on your countertop or your bar top. You can just boom, boom, pop a couple squirts in and go. Uh, looks like one of those uh, v- vanilla fucking pumpers at a uh, goddamn Starbucks or something like that. You know? Uh, it's great. Fucking love it. Last but not least, we've got At Night She Cries While He Rides His Steed, the first ever romance novel for dudes. Um, that is popping off. Uh, go buy the book as a stocking stuffer. Go buy the book before the sequel comes out next year because the sequel is, uh, is almost done. I turn, I turn in the draft to my agent at Christmas, and uh, it should be out by next summer. Um, that's, that, that is the target date. Late spring, early summer for that. That'll be out. But in the meantime, catch up and get the book. It's the funniest book ever. Um, plus like the cover, like that Simon and Schuster did is super fucking nice and all that shit. So it's a, it's a dope ass gift. It's the funniest book ever written. And, and again, I know I stated this on a previous show, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back this. I'm going to double down this one. Um, I'm going to drop, uh, the audio books, um, back to back again, uh, probably on Wednesday that way for the, I know you guys have a lot of uh, long drives for Thanksgiving and, um, uh, you know, I'm driving six and a half hours uh, myself uh, with my family, so I'm sure you guys are driving other places. I'm gonna drop at night. She cries the audiobook again. I did it 
before for Fourth of July from the uh, for the last travel date. And again, for the big big drives, I try to drop that. Um, they were fucking super pissed that I did it last time, and they pulled it after a couple days. Um, and they were like, "Don't do it again. We'll fucking sue you." I'll eat the fucking lawsuit if that's what it comes to. But um, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give that to you guys on Wednesday back to back. It's the greatest Audible book ever. And 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 like, do you, do you don't have to it, like believe me? It, it, it literally is ranked, I think, in the, the top ten on Audible. It's like a four point eight five or something crazy. Um, hired a bunch of actors. Uh, Jables is is a, a few of the voices. I do a bunch of the voices. It's one of the funnest audiobooks ever. Just do me a favor, go buy the fucking book. Uh, buy a, buy a hard copy book. Just go to Amazon and buy a hard copy of the book. Since I could be facing a goddamn lawsuit for doing this on Wednesday. Um, that would be much appreciated. Just buy a copy of A Night She Cries while he rides his steed off of uh, uh, Amazon. That'd be fucking dope. Uh, without further ado, here is the long-lost interview, of the tape one of uh, the, Ro- the Roswell tapes from the year 2004. This is me and Clayne Crawford. Dennis Ballperson, and uh, he's we're in Roswell, New Mexico, and uh, he's the expert in these parts. Oops. And um, <laughs> <laughs> the truth seekers, he's the expert. All right, and we're gonna um, we're gonna get as much information from him as we can, uh, as much as he'll let us out. Um, Dennis, please go ahead and give us your background. Uh, experts a word I try to stay away from. In this field of ufology, there are no experts. Um, <laughs> My background is civil engineering. I spent 36 years with the Texas Highway Department in quality assurance. I had three years in the Army and an engineering battalion before that, so I have about 36, 39 years in civil engineering as a background. Also a music background, I played drums in the country and western band in El Paso for about 35 years. Um, recently started playing drums in a praise band that Baptist Church here in, in Roswell, so those two things have always been with me. Uh, keeping the in- time. Keeping time. The interest in uh, the UFOs probably goes back 20 years to when I bought a book and lay in the backyard and look up in the sky and wonder what was out there. And that became my latest profession. Uh, based on the number of years I've had in each one, I should be about 106. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they overlapped. And... Uh, the study of ufology has become my life, really, and uh, I think it's so important because if there is intelligent life in the universe somewhere besides us, it's a story of the millennium. It's, it's the biggest news ever. So it's something that I'm, I'm pursuing. I think there's a lot to be known about the truth that we're not being told by the government and by the military, and it just doesn't involve UFOs. It involves a lot of other things. But with the UFO thing, I think it'd be egotistical to think that we're the only thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the universe is so big, and, and I think that there probably is other life out there. And people like uh, the Catholic Church, the Vatican, in Rome are not admitting that probably there is life out there somewhere. It's always interesting to point out the Vatican in Rome has the largest UFO library in the world. They also have a telescope in Arizona, so they, they have quite an interest in what's going on out in space. Um, 
I moved up here. I retired in 1996 in El Paso, Texas, from the Texas Highway Department, and moved up here because of my interest in ufology and was with the museum here in town, the UFO Museum, from 96 to 98 as the UFO investigator. The, I was on the board of directors and I was the operations manager. And uh, during that time, I met a lot of the witnesses and met a lot of the other researchers that do this type work. And it was a worthwhile two and a half years for me. In 1998, I went independent and started doing it on my own. Created a website and I have a webmaster in Albuquerque. Uh, now I have been hit probably eight or 900,000 times in that time period. There are supposedly about 2,000 websites on Roswell. On the Roswell, mm -hmm. right. I've been told that I have one of the top ten. Yeah. So uh, I have a lot of pride in my website. Uh, there's a lot of information on it, and uh, it's just fascinating research. Um, can you tell us? Let, let's just go back to the very beginning, 1947. Give us just a handful of details that you know, in your mind, prove that it actually that there was an alien aircraft that, that, that visited the planet Earth and, and that did crash. Uh, just, just just a handful of, 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 of facts that you you found. You know, just so you were just saying earlier before the cameras were going on about the, the piece of wreckage that you found and the threats and so forth. Um, I think. The number of witnesses that we've had come forward. Hey, how, how, I'm sorry, how many are there? I have interviewed over 150 <laughs> different people who are first, second, or third hand witnesses. Uh, and most of the stories jive together in that you don't have somebody way off here on right field or left field. They're, they're pretty well like this. And these people didn't know each other for 30 or 40 years. See, the Roswell incident happened in July 1947, and three days later, it died. The story was over. That's it. The government covered it up, and that was the end of the story. And the research didn't start again until 1978 when Stanton Friedman, nuclear physicist, the first civilian researcher for Roswell, located Jesse Marcel. Major Marcel was the intelligence officer. He was retired in Louisiana. Friedman found him, interviewed him, and that's when the research started again in 1978. So why did it take them 31 years to start up their research again? Well, you have to understand that young people don't understand cover-up because they're growing up with it. It's a way of life today. Iran-Contra, Vietnam, Watergate, those type things are... Even Iraq right now, I mean... Even right now. It's cover-up. That's the way the government operates. Back 50 years ago, it wasn't like that. We had just come out of the Second World War. People trusted and respected the government. I wish we had that today, but respect is something you have to earn. Mm -hmm. At lectures, I'll ask the audience, name five people in the government you respect, and I get a blank look back. That's unfortunate, but that's the way we developed, and, and young people just don't understand cover-up. The guys that were here that were told to shut up for national security, they did it. Mm. I will call a witness and ask him if he was here. He said no. And I'll say, I'm looking at your picture in the 1947 Roswell Army Airfield yearbook. You were in squadron such and such, your rank was such and such. He, then he knows I haven't. But then he'll say, okay, I was there, but I'm not going to talk. I promised my government I wouldn't, and I won't. So he's still, like these people are still afraid today to talk? 57 years later, some of them are still afraid to talk for several reasons. One, their retirement. Secondly, their safety. And third, their, their family safety. People were threatened over this incident. I myself was threatened. I 
1997, while I was with the museum, got a call from Oklahoma. The gentleman said his daddy was stationed here as an MP, military police. Mm-hmm. He had a piece of the medal. He guarded the ambulances, taking the bodies to the, to the hospital. He talked about a, a small body getting out of the, the ambulance with doctors on, it, on its own power. Described it as childlike. Large head, long arms, peaceful looking face. Uh, I went to Oklahoma to meet him, try to get the medal, get him on tape, get an interview done, and then have the medal tested. I got to Oklahoma, I couldn't make any contact with the number I had. Finally, I was contacted, and a woman said, meet him at Denny's restaurant at 7 o'clock. So I went to Denny's restaurant, a man and woman came in, he said, are you Dennis? I said, yeah. He said, the gentleman you plan on meeting won't be at this meeting. I said, who are you? He's a special agent of the United States Air Force Office of Special Investigation. I said, how do you know I was coming over here? He, yeah. said, he said, we knew Monday you'd be here Friday. I said, my phone tapped, and he smiled and said, you know how we do business. I spent three and a half. I spent three and a half hours with these two people. We talked about ufology. We talked about Area 51. Dennis, we want to ask, you know, um, he, not, wait, he was talking about your phone being tapped. And he said, you know how to, we know oh, how yeah, you do yeah, business. You know, business. Let me back that up. Uh, during the three and a half hour meeting I had when I got to the Denny's restaurant, the gentleman told me the man I plan on meeting would not be there. And uh, I said, how'd you know I was coming over here? He said, we knew Monday you'd be here Friday. I said, is my phone tapped? And he smiled and said, you know how we do business. I sat there for three and a half hours with these two people in, in the Denny's restaurant talking about ufology and Area 51, the government cover-up and different things. And they had some knowledge. Uh, he had a map of New Mexico. We talked about the crash sites. Uh, he had some drawings of the UFOs. So he came prepared to that meeting and uh, admitted that they had seen the medal the night before and that the family had decided the government should have it instead of me, mm. which I wasn't buying into at all. Uh, at any rate, I came back uh, empty-handed. Never got to meet the father or, or get the medal. And then I... Uh, Did he ever try to contact you afterwards? I tried to contact them again. When I got back, uh, I didn't take any notes during that meeting. Uh, I was scared, to be to be honest with you. For about five days when I got back, I was paranoid. I turned ignition on my truck, and I wasn't sure what would happen. And, uh, Did you check your phones at all, anything? Like... Well, they can do it by satellite now. Uh, they don't have to get on the line anymore. They can tap phones by satellite. And, and this is part of the business. Uh, I know my phone's tapped and my email's monitored, and I was told that by intelligence people I'm being monitored, I'm being watched. It's a game they play. And that's fine. But, and as, as long as they want to do that, that's, that's their game. And as long as I'm not violating national security, they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I'm violating national security, then tell me what happened in 1947. Because then I'm getting close to something. Exactly. And like I told you earlier, you can talk all you want to. As a researcher, I can sit here and just spill my guts out to you about whatever you want to hear. And they're not going to bother me because they can deny it. Now, if I go after physical evidence like I did in Oklahoma, that's a different story. Then you start feeling the pressure. So they'll let you talk all you want because they can easily deny it. We have no, I have no physical proof. I can't show you a piece of metal from that craft. I, I have witnesses that I've talked to have seen it or handled it, but that's not going to sell, and, and I don't have to, they don't have to worry about it. Now, as far as uh, physical descriptions of the creatures, 
the 150 people, did they sketch out anything? or? We had a few that have, have sketched, and uh, the, the Roswell beings probably would be classified as humanoid as far as species, meaning that they resemble us in certain ways. Uh, their eyes are larger, longer arms, shorter bodies, skinny. Uh, fingers, they usually talk three or four fingers mm -hmm. rather than five. Uh, little differences from the humanoid, uh, from a human. Uh, for years we believed that there was five or six species probably. Now we think maybe there's 50 or 60. Mm. And that's not a problem either if you look at the number of insects on Earth. I mean, it, it could be up in the, the thousands of species, if, depending where they're from and, and what their background is. Well, let, me, um, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Two questions. One, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but according to the government, Area 51 does not exist. Is that correct? All right. Hasn't existed since 1955. Hasn't existed <laughs> since 1955. But yeah, there's gates be, around it. <laughs> which we will be going yeah. and sending out front uh, yeah. shortly. Um, two, in your educated guess, you know, uh, or not even a guess from the research you've done, why did these beings come here? Who were they? You know, was it like I, you know, he and I, you know, we obviously we're 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 just traveling the United States, going to all our favorite places, and we've always loved uh, just the whole UFO phenomenon, and, and you know, we've always kind of talked about, you know, it seems like two young, it almost seems like young aliens that kind of were just got lost because it seems like when you look at the at the galaxy. Uh, There's so many our places. solar system's so small. Yeah. You know, it's like a pin dot a compared to all these, all this other stuff. How in the heck did they get down here? It almost seems like they got lost. What is your stop and think of what was taking place in New Mexico in the 1940s? A hundred miles south of here, the first atomic bomb ever used was tested at Trinity Site. Mm. So you have this mushroom crowd that you could out. see from space. That you could see from space. Los Alamos, Sandia Lab, the National Labs are up northern New Mexico. The V-2 rockets that we got from the Germans were tested at White Sands. There was a lot of activity. It's possible that they were sitting out there watching and thinking, what are these clowns up to? So when they saw the bomb, that's one theory. Why they crashed is still speculative. Uh, there's several possibilities. One, the night of the crash, there was a severe thunderstorm up on the ranch near where this happened. And the rancher who found the material the next day said that he heard a sound louder than the clap of thunder about 11.30 at night. The next day he went on horseback to check his sheep and his windmills for damage from the storm when he came upon a field of debris three quarters of a mile long by several hundred yards wide. The other possibility is there was microwave, high-tech microwave radar in use at the time. Here, up in the, near the Corona crash site and up near Aztec, New Mexico. Microwave could have had an effect on their propulsion or their guidance system. Uh, one other theory, Stanton Friedman talks about the possibility of two craft having a mid-air collision. One went down the plains of San Agustin west of Socorro. The other one came in and went down on the ranch. So it, there's a lot of questions about why they crashed I can't tell you where they were from. I have no idea. Right. That's something we don't know. In, in your best guess, what do you think? Why do you think that they they came here? Out of all those all those theories and 
sounds a lot like the explosion. I mean, I would think that that's something I didn't even think about. Your, but the the explosion. The explosion would make the most sense to me. Right. Because if I was traveling outside, well, like you and say, I saw clowns. It. I mean, we got to be considered the you know pretty low. One, life one theory is that uh, they may be monitoring us to see what we're doing as a civilization. And you have to admit, we're the only civilization, we're the only species on the planet that can't get along with each other, the human being. Uh, Stanton Friedman says that intelligence-wise, human beings are trying to get into the preschool of the universe. We're pretty primitive when you come right down to it. We can't get along with each other because of colors of our skin, religions, boundaries, and things like that. So... People ask me, why don't they communicate with us? My my immediate answer is, why would they want to? Yeah. What do we have to offer? Nothing. So, uh, you, you get into dimensions. Maybe maybe they are our past or our future. I don't know. Uh, all we do know is that UFOs are seen by credible people. There have been several crashes around the world over the years, and we believe it's been going on for thousands of years. Because, see, I, like, my <laughs> thinking is, we go, we've been in the moon, we just put... Uh, but we haven't been back. No, we haven't been back, you're right. But we put, you know, uh, the rover on Mars, uh, you know, a few months ago, and then it suddenly stops for four or five days. They couldn't get a transmission from it. And they're wondering, you know, <coughs> beforehand they were, they were speculating, is this the first other planet with water? And then suddenly they didn't have transmission for four or five days. And then they came back on and said, okay, everything's okay, and they stopped transmitting pictures and everything else. Do you think that it's a possibility that they were coming here just to study our planet and our environment to see if there was life on other planets, much like we're trying to do now? With That's, that's an excellent possibility. Uh, NASA, to me, may be a front. You know what NASA stands for, N-A-S-A? Mm-hmm. Never a straight answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I would think that we might have another space program other than NASA, and NASA may be there just to pacify the public. As Blue Book was, Blue Book was the official government doc, uh, document for all UFO related cases. Right. The Roswell incident is an in, in Blue Book. <laughs> that was put out to pacify the public. Back 50 years ago, there would have probably been panic. Uh, oh, like that, uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles, Orson World Welles World. World Worlds. People actually committed suicide over that radio show. Now, today, people are more educated. Young people are growing up with Star Trek, Star Wars, the X-Files. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. If there are extraterrestrials out there, it's no big deal to them. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. you know, Dimensions. We, don't have to, we don't have to convince young people that they probably exist. 70% of the American people believe UFOs exist. 60% think the government's covering it up. That's a higher percentage than our politicians get elected by, and I think it's time that they pay attention yeah, that's, to is. the percentages of the American that's people. Right. Yeah. Well, just uh, He mentioned about dimensions. I'd like to find out more about that. I wanted to, well, I first, uh, I want to go into... Um, um, the pyramids, you know, and, and those structures in Egypt, and how, I mean, it, it's quite obvious those things, you know, they had to, they're almost, they had to be built from a, a view of, I mean, come on, the fact that the, the Great Pyramid, you had to, they would have had to know the weight of the planet, 
you know, the what it was was it the feet or the miles of circumference of the, of the planet Earth, you know, and the certain layout is from an aerial view from and not only space. that, I heard now now correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only two cranes in the world today that could actually lift that that weight of those blocks to get in the higher levels of the pyramid. I was asked to join the Great Pyramid of Giza Research Association Advisory Board about two and a half years ago, which is quite an honor because it comprised, it's comprised of 31 physicists, scientists, Egyptologists from all over the world. We have, mem- we have members on the board from Italy, Ukraine, France, England, the United States, and they wanted a ufologist, someone who studies UFOs on there because there is the possibility that the pyramids, there's a pretty extensive possibility, in fact, that the pyramids of Egypt were not built by the Egyptians, particularly the three of Giza mm-hmm. and the Sphinx. And those are the ones that I concentrate on. In the first place, no pyramid has been built since those three to resemble those, technologically, uh, size-wise, accuracy, and things like that. We now know that there was a civilization prior to the Egyptians in North Africa known as Comitians. It was predominantly controlled by the female gender, and they supposedly had contact with star people. If that's the case, I'm not sitting here telling you that ETs built the pyramids, but I am saying that ETs could have given that Comitian civilization the technology to build the pyramids. Now, how they lifted those stones. two to 70 ton stones mm-hmm. It's been tried to be duplicated and can't be done No. with our modern technology. My background is civil engineering. Right. And the last job I was on was the Houston Ship Channel where we had a 1,200-foot span bridge, and when we got to the middle, we were about three feet off, which is pretty good engineering. Mm-hmm. The pyramids are a quarter inch off on each side. <laughs> and when, and how, how long ago was that? It was 2,500 years Yeah. Right. is what the Egyptians say. We believe they're up to close to 10,000 years old. Right. And the reason we believe that is that the Sphinx has deterioration from water. The back of the Sphinx body, the, the lion portion, has been deteriorated by water. There hasn't been water in that part of the world for, for five to 10,000 years mm-hmm. to do that kind of damage. And the Sphinx itself was covered to the neck until the 1800s when it was uncovered and the body was found. But it was insane up to the neck. All you could see was the head. So when they uncovered it, they found all this deterioration on it, which was caused by water, and then covered up over eons with sand. But the three pyramids of Giza are in alignment with the Orion's belt, in the, in the constellation Orion. Uh, the Great Pyramid has a declining and inclining air chamber. Supposedly, that pyramid was built for Khufu, or the fourth dynasty. But the Arabs were the first to go in there in 850 AD, and they found nothing. Nothing? Nothing. There was no hieroglyphics, there was no treasures. The only thing they found was an empty coffer, an empty box with a lid. Now, if a king would have been buried there, he'd have had all his possessions with him. And all his treasures, yeah. His treasures for the afterlife. So we had convinced that Khufu was not, not, not buried in the, in the Great Pyramid of Giza. So what we're looking at is to try to figure out who built them, and when they were built, and for what purpose. The purpose, we believe, is an energy source. Because one of our researchers has spent two nights on top of the the Great Pyramid. It's it's flat. It has the 30-foot by 30-foot flat area on top. He took some equipment up there, and he is convinced that it's an energy machine. 
and that there is energy coming out of the pyramid that we could use today. Uh, the Russians, the Ukrainians, have built pyramids in Ukraine, and they have found that if you put seeds in there, like wheat or barley or hay, they will increase production by 30%. Water will not freeze at 40 below zero no. inside the pyramid. So there is some form of energy happening within the pyramid shape that uh, we're, we're all looking at. I've never, uh, that's information I've never heard. And you can, you can, you can see that from that space, is right? Uh, is it? I don't know if you can still see it from space, but when they were originally... They used to in that in the Great Wall of China, right? Yeah, Great Wall you can see, but the pyramids originally had uh, granite, smooth granite polished stones on top. Those were all taken off by the Arabs and used to build mosques and stuff. Hmm. So they've, they've stripped all that off. But when that was there, the reflection, yes, could have been seen from space. That's, that's yeah. another that theory. Could yeah. another, that could have been another like a marker. energy source. It could have been a marker that. if they put it there. And then, you know, like Well, with my engineering, my engineering background, the thing that amazes me about the pyramids is not only... There's two and a half million stones in the Great Pyramids. That's enough to build 33 Empire State Builders. Uh, the Empire volume, State Building's huge, too. There's a 50th of an inch between the stones. The, the workmanship, the technology involved in building the pyramids is phenomenal. And having a civil engineering background, they just fascinated me. Because how did they know they should have sunk? They should have been gone right. by now. Mm -hmm. 2,500 years, they should be below Straight the Straight down the ground, yeah. There is something down there. There's a base material of some kind that supports all that weight. So... They knew something about engineering, whoever built it. And we still don't know. We still don't no. know. And I'm going to take this back just to spaceships and stuff like that uh, real quick. Because I had, I, here's the thing that, that, that fascinates me. My, my personal theory is that when the, the ships that did crash here that the government took, I believe that they've been taking that technology and using it to help build our ships today like the stealth bomber okay. and and the ships that are that are coming out today look like the the photos and the drawings that y'all have described in your findings way back in the day and now they're just coming to fruition the b2 bomber the big bat looking bomber coming at you looks exactly like a, a ufo exactly like it. and it's and it's flat yeah um phil corso lieutenant colonel corso put out a book in 96 or 97 called The Day After Roswell. He claims that he was involved with taking the technology from the Roswell craft and getting it into the contractors without them knowing about it. He talks about fiber optics, microchips, lasers, night vision, and things like that. Mm -hmm. He says that technology came out of the Roswell craft. We have no proof of that yet. But you have to go back to the Roswell incident and realize who was stationed here at the time. It was a group called the 509th Bomb Wing. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you or your audience, but the 509th Bomb Wing was the best pilots, the best navigators, the best bombardiers the United States had. They were the only atomic bomb group in the world. They dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki to end the Second World War. Those guys were hand-selected. They were the best we had. After the war, after they came out of the Pacific, they were stationed here in Roswell, New Mexico. The Enola Gay was out here at this base. This runway is 13,000 feet long, one of the longest runways in the mm -hmm. country, because the group that was here handled the atomic bombs. So that could be another interest that they had knowing who was stationed here. Of course. Now, my problem with that is, 
We have guys that were given the responsibility to handle and deliver the atomic bombs in the Second World War. But the government says they were too dumb to know the difference between a, uh, a weather balloon and a flying saucer. Yeah, isn't that something? The 509th today is the B-2 stealth bomber. I mean, it's just, you know. They're located at Whitehead Air Force Base in Missouri. They have the, the newest technology there is in the Air Force. And the similarities. It's just too, you know. They're still the atomic bomb group. And why, after all the different battalions and groups that have been disbanded over the years, why is the 509 still the most active and the most elite exactly. group there is? Perhaps they're getting paid back for keeping secrets in 1947. Um, and I don't know if you saw this, but two weeks ago they tested that the first um, that robot plane by the military, where it's completely operated by computer, where you don't need a, a, yeah. pilot. a pilot, right. pilot to fly it, and it looks exactly like those old pictures of, of what the, the space, you know, the well, spaceship. One of the things that we believe with the UFOs is that the pilot or the being inside the craft and the ship itself are one, meaning that they can feel a control panel or they can think and the ship will respond. We're doing that. Our own military is doing that. They have helmets now for our pilots that when they turn and look a certain way, the aircraft will turn mm -hmm. or they can fire weapons. The only problem with that is if the guy wakes up and has a bad day, he can drive that airplane into the ground if he's not paying attention. Oh, yeah, wherever, yeah, wherever he wants to. Wherever he looks is where we're going. Yeah. But the technology is starting to show up. So do you think the next step is just human pilots are gone? Robots, yeah, yeah. robots will fly these planes, and robots will go on these missions to other countries and stuff. Well, like yeah, that. and one of the things I've run into as a researcher is people ask, "How does the government keep all these secrets? They can't possibly keep these secrets." Especially now with the media and everything, the internet. Well, let me tell you, the atomic bomb was developed in New Mexico at Los Alamos. There were over fifty thousand people involved in that project for over ten years before it was ever known. These, the. Uh, the code during the Second World War was kept secret for about 20 years after the war. The stealth F-117, the little fighter, mm -hmm. that development started in 1973. We found out about it in the Gulf War in 1991. Man. That was tested at Area 51. It came out of the skunk works in, uh, in uh, California on the drawing boards, and then uh, it was kept secret for 18 years before we knew about it. Area 51, which you briefly mentioned a while ago, most people don't realize what that was. The, why it was open. It was not open as a military base. It was opened by the CIA. Kelly Johnson developed an aircraft so that we could keep track of the Russians to see if they were doing any testing or what they were doing, and we needed a high-altitude, fast-moving airplane that could take pictures. That was the U-2. Well, they needed a place to test the U-2, so in 1954, Kelly Johnson went to the CIA and said, I have this aircraft, but we need a place to test it. Normally, it would be tested at Edwards Air Force Base, but it was too secret for that. So they looked at 12 locations around the southwest United States mm -hmm. and decided on Groom Lake, Nevada, which is 85 miles northwest of Las Vegas. So how did it get its name Area 51? That's part of the, the location of where it's actually at. That plot of land is called Area 51. There's other areas around it. I got you. But Area 51 is the name that's stuck. It's been it's had many names. It's been the uh, uh, Watertown, the Box, uh, Dreamland. The control tower is Dreamland. Okay. 
and uh, it has the highest security of any base in the world. Uh, there are no fences. Every 50 yards there's a, a, column, or a pole with a, a sphere on top of it and warning signs. And the warning signs say the use of deadly force is authorized. Because he was telling me about uh, helicopters. Black, yeah. black, uh, if black you, hawk. Yeah, if, yeah you, like if you get close, it's really like Well, no, that's just, that's minimal. They have, uh, Wackenhut does the security. These guys wear uniforms without insignias, without name tags of any kind. They were using Grand Cherokees. We now have pictures of them in uh, Ford and Chevy four-wheel drive pickup trucks. Do you think they sponsor that or...? No, they're contracted. Oh, they, they are contract. contracted. Okay. In fact, a few of them, a few years ago, threatened to go on strike. And they were told, you will be back at work in the morning or your history. You, you, you'll never have another job. Man. Uh, we have heard stories of people who have gone across the border. Mm-hmm. By border, I'm talking about those markers. The boundary, yeah. The guard shack is about a quarter mile in from there. So if you get to the guard shack, you belong to them because you've already ca- crossed the border. And you're looking at a minimum $600 fine. Right. You're looking at interrogation, and they will know where you're at for the rest of your life. They do not play games at Area 51. Do you know anybody who's tried to, like, ride a bicycle or try to get, you know? I have a friend that lives at Rachel, and Chuck Clark is his name, excellent researcher, and he keeps track of them. And uh, not too long ago, the government went into his trailer, his mobile home, and confiscated his computer, his cameras, and all his negatives because he found a sensing device 15 miles outside of the border Man. and picked it up. And they can probably get him for uh, uh, damaging government property. Obstruction, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have sensing devices that can tell the difference between the perspiration on a human being and an animal. They have cameras located all over the place, solar cameras. They have these whack and hut employees. They have the, the Black Hawk helicopter gunships that patrol it. And if you're flying over anywhere close to that area, you're told to vector away. And if you don't, you're met by an F-16. Man. You have no choice. You, you will not go into that base. Now, we're not sure what all is going on there. We have heard there's 22 levels below ground. Man. They have two runways. One is 30,000 feet. That's six, six miles of paved runway, meaning they're bringing something in at tremendous velocity. Uh, there's, a, there's an area called S4, Papoose Lake, which is adjacent to it, where supposedly there are seven levels, doors built into the side of the mountain and camouflage, and that, that is where there, are, there is some UFO activities, craft. Uh, there have been reports that we have seen craft coming up that were not ours, that yeah. they're playing with them, and they, they're afraid to take them out because they can't bring them back. Oh, right, right. They don't know how they operate. So there's all kinds of rumors about Area 51, and, and as a researcher, as a guy that's been in the military and respects our government, catch, it's a catch-22 for me. We need a place to develop technology, new aircraft, whatever, what have you. But if there are aliens there or there are UFOs there, I want to know it because my kids and grandchildren deserve to know it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't emphasize enough the security and the need to not try to push that security because, like I said, the sign says the use of deadly force is authorized. Mm-hmm. They can shoot you. And it's, it's fine. Yep. How come there isn't more of a public outcry as far as, you know, more people wanting to demand what goes on inside there, you know, like... 
Uh, more that, support, more support towards the truth. People are are so busy with their own lives. That's what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that what we were talking about. They really care less. Unless one lands in their yard, they probably could care less. They have to uh, and work and all that stuff. Hey, you, mm-hmm. you, you have such a lifestyle today that this stuff is not of any concern to anybody because it's not a threat to them. Not, well, not yet, at least. At least not yet. Um, people ask, why do, they, why do they keep it covered up? I think it comes down to one word, control. Our government will not admit to anything they can't control. Power. And they can't control this. Because if this has been going on for as long as we think it's been going on, they still haven't been able to stop it or even know what it is. My view is that if they can get here, and I use the word if, if they can get here from wherever they're from, they have technology and, and knowledge that we can't comprehend because we can't go there. Right. So they, they may be thousands of years ahead of us on technology. Now, do, get here. do you think there's other Area 51s in other continents or countries around the world? Like Australia has one. I can't recall the name right offhand, but I know there is one in Australia. probably pretty much controlled by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been reports of crashes of craft in other countries. Russia, maybe? or Probably Russia would have one, yeah. Uh, my other research is on the ground basis, and uh, we know that the Russians, the Vietnamese, the Iranians all have underground systems, and it's become a necessity with satellites. You can't do anything above ground anymore that's, that's security because it can be seen from 200 miles up. You can read a newspaper from 200 miles up. Oh, yeah. So they've been forced to go underground to do this technology. At Area 51, one of the concerns I have is that they do not have to comply with EPA laws, Environmental Protection Agency. Um, so they, starting, they can use anything there. They burn they burn toxic waste on top of the aerosol cans or tires. Or two guys died of radiation exposure a couple years ago, and their wives, their widows, got some lawyers and tried to sue the government. And the government came back and said, "You can't sue something that doesn't exist." Well, didn't they say how? Where did my husband go to work every day? What, you know, not a concern to them. What did it say on a paycheck? You know, like when he's cashing check. Like, uh, it could have been. Uh, it could have been Department of the Navy. It could have been any mm. any other yeah, organization. Yeah. They cover the uh, Yeah, uh, the stealth fighter pilots when they began flying that thing, they could not tell their wives where they were going in the morning when they went to work. They sign. A, they sign a statement saying that they will maintain the security. Now let me ask you something. You mentioned earlier you just you've been married like two two and a half years right now. Is your wife afraid at all, like about what you do and what yeah, you how know? Does your fam- how does this affect your family relations? Or all the she relations? has an advantage on me because she saw a UFO in Ohio. I have never seen one. How how long but ago? I've never been to Australia, but I think it's there. I've heard it's there. So how long ago did she see? Well, 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 hold on, hold on, back up. What about Australia? You, you think that there is? I've heard it's there. I've never seen it. But I've heard it's there. It's so, there. Yeah. But I've never seen a UFO. Right. But that doesn't mean they don't exist. Oh, well, I've never seen love. I've never seen the wind. Exactly. Yeah. I, know, I know what love does. I felt it. And I know the results of what wind does. But I don't actually physically see it. So I don't have to see it to believe it. Uh, it would help if I had a piece of metal I could show you. That would help a lot. Yeah. But I think there's some overwhelming evidence. Now, I'm the family... Like your kids, are they are they concerned that you know their stuff is tapped? My, my daughter is not too much into it. My son has slight interest, 
But when I went to Oklahoma to get that piece of metal right. I mentioned earlier, uh, my son was going to college here at the same town. And that was my cover to go to, to get this thing. I was going to see my son at college, which was a good cover. And I had a, I had a video camera and a cassette tape player with me, and I was going to try to interview this guy. And I'd asked my son if he would run the camera. He wasn't too happy with that when he found out why I was there. And mm -hmm. as a father, I, I wouldn't push that. So, of course. You know, that was out of the question. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even ask him to do it. But I think my, my, both my children have been concerned when they found out about the interception, when they found out I had been threatened. They, they'd have to be somewhat concerned. Uh, my wife's my, my salesman. She, when we do lectures, she sells my tapes and, and answers questions for people, and, and she's great at it. But uh, you can't live in fear. Uh, I have a job to do, and I feel an obligation to try to find the truth. A quote I use is, always telling the truth means never having to remember anything. And that works. Yeah, he, he always says the truth will set you free. It will. That's what he always tells me. Yeah, and it's hard to come by. With the government, it's hard to come by. I, mean, I guess um, one last question. Um, if you could give one one piece of information, you know, if you could tell uh, tell the people, you know, who are going to be watching, um, one thing, one thing, just from all your research, everything you know, if, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind that you'd like to get out there? If it's uh, advice, if it's uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. Just from everything that you've done, what, a certain way to live. What's the one? What's the one thing? I decided a couple of years ago to get out of the box. We're all brought up in a box. We're taught things by our parents, our teachers, and most of us accept that. I haven't. I've decided there's more to life than living in that box, and I'm pushing the envelope a lot. But I think questioning. People in authority. I think we're being lied to, and I don't. I don't buy that. The military. I have no fear of the military at all because I'm paying their salary. As a taxpayer, I'm paying their. And salary. you were in the military. And I was in the military. So. <clears throat> so, I have no qualms with fighting with, not fighting, but arguing with the with the United States Air Force. They're lying to us. We've had four excuses on Roswell in 57 years. Now, tell us what happened, and I'll go fishing. Oh, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I have more exactly. important things fast. to do. But if we're, if we're being lied to, then I want to know the truth. Mm. Now, if it means national security is a problem, okay, say, yeah, there were UFOs, but we're working on it, and we've got to, we've got to deal with it. I can accept that. But don't flat out tell me that they crash test dummies when the dummies weren't used until six years after the incident happened. Don't tell me it was a mobile balloon used to keep track of Russians doing nuclear testing when they didn't do testing for two years after it happened. Those are outright lies. And I've, I have run Freedom of Information Act requests through the Air Force, and I keep getting a runaround. I have one that I've been working six years, right. and I still haven't gotten an answer. National security is their biggest excuse. And they can take national security and research and development and stick it under the carpet and you won't ever see it. Yeah. Well, listen, Dennis, we just want to thank Dennis, you. This is fantastic. This is I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Got a whole dollar's worth today. Yeah. <laughs>